Well, here our Lord is praying to the Father prior to going to the cross. And in verse 14, he begins here, where we, as we continue on our study, John chapter 17, verse 14, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. And so we continue our study in this this prayer, this high priestly prayer of our Lord prior to going to the cross. This prayer to the Father in which he is specifically interceding for his disciples, and for those who are following him, and for us who are here today. He had just said in the previous verse that he wanted his joy fulfilled in us. And from there he immediately goes to, I have given them your word. I have given them your word. I've given them the words that are exactly what the Father would desire for us to know as far as what it is to live and how it is that we can be saved and who we are and what lies in the future for us. I've given them, I've given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. I gave them your word, and the world has hated them. For me, it's reassuring to know that Jesus knew all that would take place. The way in which he prays this prayer, he he is anticipating all that is going to occur. And don't we find that throughout history? World hating the followers of Christ. You find him... Speaking through the Apostle Paul to Timothy and saying, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. They will. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Jesus has said, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If, I, if they have kept my word, they will keep yours also. They're going to persecute you. And we find it immediately taking place with the disciples. Persecution. Being put to death for their faith. We find Nero coming and, and taking the Christians and putting them throughout his, his gardens and lighting them on fire as he takes his chariot and rides throughout the garden naked like a lunatic with Christians lighting up his garden as they're on fire. You could go through all of history and just find things where they're just absurd as far as what has taken place towards Christians. The Christians who have died, the Christians who have spent time in in prison, the Christians who have just been persecuted in incredible ways, the Christians who have been shunned, the Christians who have just been hated by those that were unbelievers around them. And today, the same thing lies. I mean, there's things that just do not make sense to us at all, and yet it's taking place all over the world. You find it in China where Christians are just hated in China. 
Vietnam, the times I've spent in Vietnam where there's Christians and they're just meeting in their homes and they're trying to keep, you know, just as much as, as, as possible out of the spotlight of the government authorities or of their neighbors or of the people around them that would cause them to be thrown into jail again and again and again. Think of the Christians in Pakistan where they say that if we go into a restaurant and eat and they find out that we're Christians, they'll come to the table and just take our plates and they'll throw them on the ground and break them saying nobody can ever eat off these plates ever again because a Christian has eaten off these plates. It takes place to this day. These Christians cannot, they, they cannot go into a restaurant and eat in a restaurant that's owned by Muslims. On their identity card, it has to say their religion, and it says Christian. And just talking with these saints, and they're saying, we sweep streets. We can't get jobs. We're the street sweepers. We, we have the lowest jobs because it says Christian on our card. Just a couple months ago, the Christians, well, the Christians I had spent, I, got, I went to gosh, well over a dozen churches and preached at different churches in a city called Lahore, Pakistan. And, and I'll tell you, I, I fell in love with the church there. Standing there just in the heat of, of the day and just faces, you could just see Christ in them. But they're the lowest of the lowest in that society. And a couple months ago, I had read that there was a group of Christians that had come together to celebrate Easter, and um, then they were attacked, and several were killed just there in that particular area. Multiple churches getting together, and just think of these believers that are there, and they're hated. Not because they've done anything wrong. They've just loved on the people that are there. They're hated because they're Christians. And many here will also find themselves in that same place where all those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution from family, from friends, in the workplace, at school. Persecution. A servant is not greater than his master. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And so he says, I've given them your word. And the world has hated them. Hated them. Because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world. We're not of this world. There's this radical change that's taken place in us to where we are no longer of this world. We've been made new creations in Christ and there has been this radical shift that has occurred in our life where we have been made new creations. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, it says that they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They recognized that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. That the world that we're living in, we are set apart. We are different. We have been changed radically because the Holy Spirit now indwells in us and we have been made new creations in Christ and we have a message to bring forward and we are strangers and pilgrims on the earth. We're here for a certain amount of time and then we will go 
and we will be with the Lord and we will be with him for all eternity. But right now, we're pilgrims. Right now, we're traveling through this world and we're finding that more and more we find ourselves as strangers here. Do you find that? You look at this election that's coming up, oh my goodness. You look at our options of who to vote for. If, if I don't want to lose our tax exempt status, but, but let me just say this, that, that I, I look at this and I, I, all, all I think is, who votes for people? Like, how do, we, how do we vote the kind of people that we have voted into office over the last several decades? Who votes for people? Who are these people? Why do certain principles just not matter at all? Why does it not matter at all as far as like what they believe or their character or what they have done in the past or the way in which they have led in the past or the way in which their lifestyle is? And you, you just find it where there's no way that's the best that we got. But then you think, like, these people have been voted in. They are being voted in. And we find ourselves more and more thinking, I don't think that the majority of our country thinks like I do. Not the majority. Or we would not be in the circumstances in which we are in. We will find ourselves more and more strangers. You think of our great country in which we live in. How much more do the Christians in Pakistan find themselves to be strangers in that land? How much more are those that are there in Pakistan looking for their homeland, looking to spend eternity with Christ? Places like China, those Christians that are there, oh, how they must long as far as to go and to be with the Lord, finding themselves as to be strangers in this land, as far as even just naming the name of Christ and following him and calling themselves Christians can cause them to experience incredible hardship. And you could just go through country after country, Northern Africa, Southeast Asia, all over the Middle East, countries that it is so, so hard to be a Christian in those places. Finding yourself in a place of I'm not of this world. Just as he was not of this world, I am no longer of this world. There's been a change that's taken place, and I think differently. My hope is different. My authority is different to where I confess that I'm a stranger and pilgrim here on the earth. Well, Jesus goes from there and says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. And so you just hear the heart of our Lord praying. They, they're hated here. They're not of this world. But Father, I don't pray that you take them out of it. Don't take them out of this world. But just keep them from the evil one. Keep them from evil. Don't take them out of this world. Don't take them out of where they're at. But keep them from evil. And brothers and sisters, that is us. Would you hear God call us to be light here on this earth or to be the salt of the earth? We find ourselves in a place where we may more and more become the minority. Or maybe not. Maybe we find the Lord do just a great work of revival 
in our country, in this land. Maybe we see the Lord do something just miraculous as far as shining so brightly and changing hearts and bringing people to salvation. We just see just a radical work of the Spirit in our land. I pray for that. He says, I don't pray that you should take them out of this world. We're not to become some kind of monastic group in which we separate ourselves totally and completely away from the world. We're here. We live in this world. We are a part of this world. We live in this culture. And this culture is in desperate, desperate need of Christ. To be in this world and to be in a place of of proclaiming the gospel in this land. There will be hatred that comes. There will be friction that comes. Our our young adults ministry is starting to go through a study prior to the election coming up um, called Onward by Russell Moore. And the subtitle is Engaging the Culture Without Losing the Gospel. And so I started reading what, what was in this particular book as far as as they go through this and have an, a biblical world and life view. And I, I, I love that they're doing this. I love that the young people here at our church are, are, are going to be going through and studying how do we engage this culture in which we live in without losing the gospel, without straying away from the gospel. And in this particular book, he says... A Christianity that is without friction in the culture is a Christianity that dies. If we're we're a Christianity that does not have any kind of friction in this culture, it is a Christianity that has died or that is dying. We will be hated by this world. We will. We will be pilgrims and strangers here in this land. And if there is no friction that takes place, if there's no opposition to us who Jesus said would be hated, would be persecuted, then we, we are a Christianity that is, that is dying. He goes from there and says, such religion absorbs the ambient culture until it is indistinguishable from it. Until eventually a culture asks what the point is of the whole thing. If, if, if we are a church and if we are a, a, a Christianity that starts acting just like the culture, to where you can't distinguish us from them. He says the culture is going to say, what's the point of it then? What is the point of it if the Christians are in fornication? What's the point of it if the Christians sound just like the world? What's the point of it if those who name Christ their marriages, their families, their conduct outside of church, the way in which they speak to others looks just like the world. Those that will look upon us will say, what is the point of it? There must be a change. He says a Christianity that's walled off from the culture around it is a Christianity that dies. The gospel we received is a missionary gospel one that must connect to those who are outside in order to have life. There must be a change that occurs with us in which we are in this world, but there is friction that is around because the Holy Spirit has done something radical to us. 
I think, to a large degree, the church in our country has um, started to look far too much like the world. Indistinguishable from the world. I think that we're seeing denominations die, literally die, because they've allowed culture to determine how they are going to function rather than God's word. But I pray that that wouldn't be us. I pray that we would be in a place where there would be such a passion to to be in this world but to not fall to evil, not fall to the evil one, not be indistinguishable from the world that's around us. I don't pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. It's a prayer that's a call for for holiness amongst Christians. Holiness for us to where Jesus is praying Have them be here in Jerusalem, in Judea. Even to the uttermost parts of the world. But keep them from sin. Keep them from the evil one. Keep them from evil. Have them be there and shine so brightly for the gospel. There's something precious about it when when a believer says, I cannot do that. And the the question comes up, why can't you do that? And your response is, "I, I love Christ more than that. Even though my flesh would want to do that, I love Christ more than that. Christ wouldn't want me to do that. I don't want to be like that. I want to show the worth of Christ to those who are around me. I want to show my, his worth to, to, to my family and, and, and to my friends and to those that are with me. I, I watched a little video by John MacArthur, and, and he was... John MacArthur is pastor of Grace Community Church up in L.A., a large, huge church in L.A. But, he, but he's just, he stood as, as just a pillar within Christianity. Maybe everybody doesn't agree with everything that he has said, but he is someone who just has pastored for, so I think, over 50 years or around 50 years, and he just is just constant in his just determination to preach the word and to proclaim the gospel. But it was radical in this little short interview that I saw with him. He was just saying, like, I think of my wife. And I don't ever, I, I don't ever want to bring reproach upon the name of Christ towards my wife. I don't, want, I don't want my kids to look at me and not trust me anymore. Not be in a place where they don't trust the message in which I've proclaimed because my lifestyle looks just so radically different than what I say on a regular basis. I don't want those within my church to not trust me because my lifestyle looks so radically different than what I say on a regular basis. And having it be where we not only proclaim the truth, but we live the truth, and we're in a place of of being in this world, but not being of this world, not being like this world, being different. We have a message and we have been changed and recognizing that we have been changed and living accordingly. So I do not pray that you would take them out of the world. So my encouragement to you also is 
We live in a culture that is wicked all the way around us. So how do we live? What do we do? And part of it is he's calling them to be holy. To be holy. I pray that you would keep them from the evil one. I think of when Jesus said to Peter, Simon Peter, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you that your faith should not fail and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. That particular prayer is interesting because you see it here in John 17 where he's saying, I pray that you don't take them out of the world, but that you'd keep them from the evil one. And then you see it with with. Simon Peter, where he's speaking to him and saying, Satan's asked for you particularly. He specifically has asked for you. He wants to just sift you. He wants to thrash you. But I've, I've prayed for you. I've prayed for you. Saying that to Peter, I've, I've prayed for you. And, and, and right after him saying this to Peter, Peter gets all proud and Jesus says, no, you're going to deny me three times. And, and you see and all of it, it all happens. Peter denies Christ three times. But Jesus says, I prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And then there's this radical next section where he says, and when you have returned to me. Not if, like not maybe someday that might happen, but when you've returned to me, strengthen your brethren. When you've returned, do this. And so here you find it again where he says, I'm praying that you would keep them from the evil one. A prayer that, that, that God does as far as, I'm not going to pray that you're taken out of this world, but I'm going to pray that, that God the Father would just keep you from the evil one. We see that he does that. We're not a church that's that in America that is, or throughout the world, that's without hope. We're not in a, in a place where we see culture coming in and culture infiltrating and doing all of these things and being in a place where the, the church is lost. God's bigger than that. He's absolutely bigger than that. I mean, there may be a, a, a church across the land that has gone, gone so, so far from studying the word of God that they're biblically just absolutely illiterate across our land. But not everywhere. Not here. Not here. What's taking place right now in children's ministry? Radical what's taking place as far as those kids being raised up in the word of God. When I hear my kids talk about what it is that they've learned just praiseworthy every day on the way to school why do you treasure christ above everything else in this world jonathan give me an answer natalie give me an answer every day listening to them come up with new reasons why they treasure christ above everything else in this world and i pray that that would be our kids here that they'd grow up and, 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 and they'd be in this culture and they'd be in this world. They haven't been taken out of this world, but they, they see the worth of Christ so that when all of the pressures come around them from all directions as far as to fall, they would look and say, no, why would I do that? I treasure him above everything else in this world. I know why I love him. I know why he's more precious than the stuff of this world. I treasure him above everything else in this world. 
We're told that Jesus later said to Peter, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He is going to do a radical work, and he will build his church, and he will preserve a remnant, and he will continue to glorify himself, and he will continue to bring people to salvation. One of the things that they had said in this book that I thought was pretty cool was they just said, you know, the, the next Billy Graham, the next Billy Graham may be drunk right now. That's awesome to think about. Like the next Billy Graham, the next guy that is going to go out there and just start proclaiming the gospel, and there's people that are coming to get saved all over the place. Right now, he might be drunk. Right now, he might be doing something that is just so entirely worldly, and the gospel is going to come to him, and he's just going to be radically transformed. Have a message that's just radical as he goes forth and proclaims the gospel. Right now, he's still dead in his sins, but there's someone, some people, those that are going to be saved such as we were in this room and God's going to do something radical in them. God is not in a place of being frustrated. He's not in a place of, of what do I do? He will build his church. Nevertheless, he prays for us. Don't take them from this world, but keep them from the evil one. We see Satan being one where Peter would later talk about him saying, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Just be sober, be vigilant. He wants to thrash you. Peter would say, he thrashed me. Jesus said that he wants to sift me like we did, and I just, like, I'll never deny you. And he thrashed me. But then Peter goes on and he says, resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. May the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Just such a huge view of God. Satan wants to devour you, but God, the one who's called you to his eternal glory, After you suffered for a little bit, he'll perfect you, he'll establish you, he'll strengthen you, he'll settle you, and then to him be the glory. He did this. And so he goes from here to say that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Set them apart. Sanctify them by your word. Change them radically by your word. Your word is truth. What we need to know, brothers and sisters, is just found right here in the pages of Scripture. When Jesus is praying for them, he's just saying, just set them apart. Change them. Sanctify them by your word. By the word in which they are given, may it just radically transform them. Your word is truth. Your word is everything that we need to know as far as who God is and life and godliness and how we're to live and how we're to be saved and all the hope that we're to have. Just change them by it. Radically change your people. Sanctify them. Set them apart by your word. Your word is truth. It will change them. So this is what he's praying for. We ought to hear a prayer like that and respond by, Holy Spirit, you... You had 
Christ prayed this and you had them record this in the pages of Scripture so that I would hear that and just think, I need your word. I need time in your word. I need to spend time in your word, meditating on your word, reading your word, worshiping you in your word, studying your word. Your word is truth. Your word will change me. It will just radically change me. I think the evangelical church across America in the last, in most of our lifetime, has gone far, far, far from his word. I mean, you look within the church today and, and, and the, the self-help stuff that has entered in, the don't bring your Bibles to church, don't, 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 don't do that, the, 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 let's have a, a message that's more driven by psychology or more driven by, by a man-centeredness of here's all the things that you should do versus let's read in God's word what it says has brought us to a place of... Um, of not knowing his word. God help us to be students of his word. Go through and study the word. Why did he pray that? Why did he say that? Why is he praying? Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Unless it's meant to be that which the Holy Spirit works in our lives. Just to radically change us by the study of his word. He says you sent me into the world. I also have sent them into the world. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. The mission of us. The mission. I was sent by the Father, now I'm sending them. And that would be us. May we be just pillars in the church. May we shine so brightly for the gospel. May we know his word and be quick to proclaim his word. May we not be in a place where we're trying to make friends around us by being just like them. May we have truth that we hold in the word of God and a message in which we bring. May our lifestyles be so radically different that they look and they say, why are you so different? Why are you so kind? Why is it that you say such loving things? Why is it that you have so much hope? Why is it that you have such a peace? Why is it that you have so much joy? Why is it that you have so much confidence? Why is it that you pray like that? Why is it that you talk about God like that? Why is it that church matters to you to go there and to spend time with the saints and to be there? Why is it that you use your resources that way? Why is it that, that you raise your kids that way? Why is it that you plan your vacations that way? Why is it that you don't go out to these places with us like you used to do? Why is it that you're just radically different? And for us to come to a place of, because we treasure Christ above everything else that this world could ever offer because this is who he is and this is what he said and this is how he's called us to live and I just want to please him and I want to live for him and I want to glorify him. He prayed for me that I would be radically different and set apart by the truth and he's given me his word and he's prayed that I'd be kept from the evil one and I don't want any part of that, those things ever again anymore. He's far more precious than that. And to go out with the message of the gospel, boldness in the gospel, go and proclaim the gospel. Be able to go and say, no, this is the gospel. Let me articulate the gospel to you. Let me tell you that it's not salvation by grace plus a whole lot of works. No, it's salvation by faith alone. It's all by faith. 
to be able to go and say, this is what Christ has done, and this is the message, and this is why it matters. When we live in a culture in which we are to say, like, no, all roads lead to heaven, to be able to say, no, it doesn't. No, all roads don't lead to heaven. But this is what God has said. His prayer for us would be, don't take him out of this world, but may they have a mission, just like I had a mission. Send them into the world. Send them. May they not be taken from this world, but to go out in the world, and may they bring that message. The hope of the gospel. And then Jesus says, and for their sakes, I sanctify myself. For their sakes, I set myself apart. For their sakes, he is about to go to the cross. Set apart as a vessel to be used to become our propitiation, our payment. That they also may be sanctified by the truth. For their sakes, I sanctify myself. That they also may be sanctified, set apart by the truth. And that is the truth in which we hold to and we stand on The prayer of our Lord. It is a prayer for us this morning. He's given us his word. His word. The world hates us. We're not of the world. We're not to be taken out of the world, but we're to be kept from evil, from the evil one. We're not of this world, but we are to be changed and set apart by his truth and his truth is in God's word and we're to go forth sent out into the world changed, set apart radically transformed by the truth of God's scripture that was his prayer for his disciples for the early church that same prayer is for us this morning let's pray Lord God we just thank you for your word this morning the word that you've given us that has lasted for all of these generations. Same word that was powerful and transformed this world as the disciples took it forth, as Christians have taken it forth for all of these years, is the same word, the same message, the same everything that we have today, the same Savior. I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't ever, ever compromise the gospel, change the gospel, bring a different message. I pray that we wouldn't ever fall to the evil one. But I pray that we would live in such a way that the message that we bring is believable. The hope that we give is real. The message that we give would be articulated clearly. The love in our hearts would be overflowing. That we'd go forth and proclaim the gospel. That we might just see countless people come to know you. Help us to not be like this world. But to be like you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.